0: All right, shall we start with
1: Daniel? Sure. An invitation to Buddha. The original nature of your life is just like a water vein, under ground, underground. It's deep and going endlessly. When you touch it, it comes up just like a spring, but it's pretty hard to touch your original nature directly. So maybe you haven't experienced this yet.
0: Instead of going deep, instead of going deep, human beings are always busy just on the surface of life, limiting ourselves, evaluating our capability, and judging our personal nature. If you want to touch the depth of your life, Let go of measuring and accept the great openness of your personality. How? Open yourself and invite Buddha. The main purpose of Buddhist practice is to invite the original nature of your existence, Buddha, into your everyday life and experience freedom
2: from human life.
3: The verse of offering incense. The simple practice of offering incense is a great opportunity to invite Buddha into you. When Iko Narasaki Roshi came from Japan and practiced here, he stood quietly at the altar and offered incense respectfully with a calm mind. We were very impressed. He didn't explain, but very naturally, we tasted what it means to offer incense. Through his behavior, I could really feel that he invited Buddha into him, into now.
2: Some people grumble about offering incense. They say it is just a ritual, and incense is just useless specks of wood dust. Yes, it is ritual, but ritual really depends on your attitude and behavior. If you think of that ritual as an opportunity to see the original nature of your existence, you can give a great quality to the life of the wood dust and that wood dust can help you so much.
4: I hope he's gonna tell us how to do this. I think I'm next. Uh, (coughs) Buddha said that incense is a messenger to Buddha. Well, this is pretty cool, isn't it? This idea that Buddha, that offering incense is a messenger to Buddha so how does one do that?
2: I, I think what he's saying is it's really in your attitude. And you know, just the incense is just one thing but you could probably have that attitude of invitation in other ways too, but that's what ritual does, right? It kind of focuses you on what your intent is, you know, yes. and it's an invitation. Like now, I invite Buddha, you know, kind of like it's, it's. Uh, I kind of, I like the idea. And offering incenses, I always feel at Appa Mata, when they would offer incense in person in the Zendo, it just really felt, um, oh, uh, how can you say it, sort of uh, centering. You know, I realized that there's something going on now. You know? And I stopped
4: thinking about a billion other things. Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a, a hesitancy, you hold it up here, and then there's a pause. The pause is really neat. Yeah. And there's supposed to be a secret prayer or something that people who've been transmitted learn that they say when they do that.
5: It's another just, one of our rituals and forms that brings us back in all these years, I didn't know why they offered incense at the beginning of the of the service, but I, I knew it meant something important, just like the three bells mean something important. I remember watching a Thich Nhat Han video, and he he said that when you hear each bell, what you are to say to life, and Buddha is, I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm listening and that's sort of a centering activity. And now I'm hearing that offering incense is similar. So it's lovely.
0: I always like it uh, when they would offer an incense stick and it would be burning on the end and the hand just goes whoop and puts out the flame. but, uh, you know, so, seems like these days, most of the time I, when I see incense being offered, it's the little granule um, incense Ooh. that's going on coals.
4: No, we do the stick every yeah. morning. Yeah. And the stick's supposed to be the length of the time of the meditation. Ours is is uh, shorter. Hmm. But that's how they timed it.
0: Interesting. Well, that that's like, um, oh gosh, Okamura Roshi's teacher. Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but how when they had the sessions, they didn't have a timekeeper. They just they had a there was a grandfather clock somehow at that monastery, and they just did it on the hour. With the 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 clock was their their timekeeper, (laughs) which because it was part of their session with no toys. No bells, no anything, just sitting.
4: Well, I think we should read, and hopefully Trotty will join us.
5: Well, just one question of Donna. about yes. So no chime from the grandfather clock?
0: No, the clock would chime, and that was, okay, that, 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 those were the bells. There was just no one there who was having to, you know, watch the clock and make sure everything was happening on time. They
6: just let the clock do it, so... For us, culturally, um, what we do every year to remember our ancestors um, during their death, uh, I mean the day that they die, we also like we prepare food and then burn incense. It's like a way to tell them that oh, uh, we offer food good to you and I transfer whatever we want to talk to them through the, the smoke. So my mom always told me that. If you don't want incense, they will not come to eat because they like there's no nothing to send message to them. So, like, the smoke from the incense is what the uh, is a way to send message for them. Oh,
2: like Indian smoke signals, right? Yeah, like smoke signals. (laughs) (laughs) Thank
0: you, Nancy.
4: Okay, who's reading? I
2: think think it was your turn, Kim.
4: Okay, Buddha said that incense, did I read this,
2: no.
4: is, a, is a messenger to Buddha. People sometimes think this saying is the sutra on summa Gata means that by offering incense, they will have good luck. But if you offer incense, thinking Buddha will give you something in return, then incense is really something defiled in the worldly sense. And I've heard that that in Islam, prayer is not to get something, but it's to connect with the Almighty. You know, and I really like that. I don't know how how is it? Um, in Christianity, are you often praying to get something?
5: It can be a number of things. You can pray to ask, and really, if you're a wise Christian, You ask for God's will um, rather than specifics, because you'll be careful what you ask. Oh,
4: I see. But
5: but really what
4: you're supposed to get.
5: Right. But really, most prayer, at least in my experience, after years of it, you know, it's not no longer being a baby Christian is that prayer should be Thanksgiving, gratitude and Thanksgiving. That's really what prayer should be. Hmm. But if someone's ill, you can ask for God's will in that situation for peace and healing. You can ask for healing as a specific request, but healing comes in many forms. So.
4: It's so interesting in Judaism that you're not allowed to make up prayers, huh. but you have to you have to say one of the prayers that have already been made up. <laughs>
2: You know what a very powerful prayer is that I've used all these years when I need to is help. <laughs> I, just, so simple. I just say help. <laughs> and I always get help. I don't know. <laughs> the trick is not to ask for help in a specific form. You know what I mean? Like Because yeah. you really don't know What, you know, I think Nelda or somebody was pointing out, we really don't know um, what's in our best interest. You know, we think if we had it this way, this is the way it should be, but we have no idea. So I just help. And when I get help, it comes in the form of usually a sense or a feeling of all is well. And Mm. then I just stop feeling stressed.
4: (laughs) Okay, so Trotty says she can't get on. Her account is apparently locked. So I told her I'll call her when we're done. So let's continue.
6: Okay. In the discourse on Insight of the Mind, compiled by Shen, Shen Tzu, it says, burning incense doesn't mean the worldly sense of incense, but, in, but means the incense of unconditioned, right? unconditioned right dharma because you have to invite the buddhas in other words invite the ultimate nature of your life into your everyday life this is the point of buddhist practice so as simply as you can offer incense at the altar and bow
5: when you offer incense you can keep in mind the verse of offering incense here's my translation Silla, Samadhi, Vimoksa, incense. Radiant light of the Buddhas emits throughout the Dharma world. Homage to the countless Buddhas in the 10 directions permeates into seeing and hearing and manifests Nirvana.
1: I think we're back to Daniel. This verse has been chanted in Zen monasteries for many years. We don't know who wrote it, but it is found in the Shoku Yoshu, a collection of quotations from Mahayana Sutras, compiled by Toshish, who lived in China during the Tang Dynasty. That collection deals with issues related to sudden enlightenment or seeing original nature and becoming Buddha. Even if you don't understand this verse exactly, remembering it helps you to open yourself and invite Buddha. Then you can move toward understanding the significance of offering incense.
4: we read it once more? Wanna
1: read it, again, Daniel? Sure. The verse. Sila Samadhi Vimoksa. Radiant light of the Buddhas emits throughout the Dharma world. Homage to the countless Buddhas in the ten directions permits into seeing and hearing and manifesting nirvana.
4: It certainly activates another sense, doesn't it? When you have a strong smell.
0: Becoming the body of Buddha. The first line of the verse of offering incense says, sila, samadhi, the moksha incense. This first line expresses Dharmakaya, Buddha's true body. There are five kinds of Dharmakaya. In Japanese, we call this Gobun Hoshin, the fivefold merit of those who have attained enlightenment. These five are sh- Sila or Shila, precept; Samadhi, total concentration; Prajna, wisdom; Moksha, liberation; and Vimoksha, uh, wisdom of liberation. The first line of this verse names just three but actually
3: all five are present there. Um, I don't have the book, I'm sorry. Ah, there we go. Sila or precept. Body means the principle of the original nature of existence and how it functions. As a whole, your life is a huge machine digesting everything. It's like a big clothes dryer with a glass door. If you watch, you can see many things appear. Your shirt comes up, your pants and socks, sometimes napkins come up. It's very difficult to see the functioning of Silo with your human consciousness, but you have another kind of consciousness, intuition.
2: Your intuition has the great capacity to know everything at a time. So if you introspect yourself very closely, you can notice how your life is functioning. When you take care of sila in the proper way, your life becomes peaceful. If you don't, your life becomes restless and uneasy. This understanding of precept is quite different from the usual idea that precepts are
4: rules of behavior. Hmm. So rather than being rules of behavior, they are
5: aspirations
4: god's God this I- this understanding of pre- oh here i want to see how he says it well i guess it's uh based on inter- intuition
2: mm-hmm.
4: also rather than the idea that you you can see in what you do how your life is functioning, rather than a control in your life, it's something you watch. Okay, who's reading now? Who just read? Yeah, at Me? Least
6: it's
2: you. I just Me. read.
4: <laughs> okay, samadhi body is total concentration or meditation, steadfastly settling down in the oneness of you and your object. Settling down means to trust in the big vehicle called Mayana. You and everything in the universe without exception are traveling together. We are all passengers in one big boat, the universal boat. This is the original state of everyone's existence. That's why we have to walk together, hand in hand, and make an effort <coughs> to live together in peace and harmony.
6: Prussia, brush, wisdom, uh, oh, wisdom, body means to see the bottom of human existence. The bottom of your life is exactly the same as original nature of existence. If you study the body and mind of the self and introspect constantly, you will reach the dead end of your life. That dead end is like the terminal station of the railroad. The terminal station is the end of the line, but from there you can go any place. So when you reach the dead end of your life, immediately your life is free, liberated, and a new life starts. And a new life starts with the wisdom wanting you can see
5: this. I don't know why this came up for me right now, <laughs> as, as I was reading that, but as I read that I was thinking about how lovely it is to advance in years and to get to a point in life as one or some do, as I have to look back and say, how much of that stuff, not only physical things, objects, But all those negative interactions, all those ego based pushings and pullings ultimately mattered. And when you see that big picture over a lifetime about how very little of that mattered, and and I'm gonna define mattered, really wasn't worth the energy that one put into it and the negative results of it. That's what I mean by mattered it makes this practice so much more real and present and and um, and like life itself.
2: So. Uh, I, I really enjoy, um, you know, like Dogen said, you know, uh, you're, you're studying the self in order for the self to drop away. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the, concept of neti neti when you really start paying attention to your thoughts your beliefs things that are happening in your body your emotions you know it's sort of like you're all of those things change and move and go and so what is actually at the heart of all that or at the bottom of all that that doesn't change you know that's um that's what i'm you know it it makes me think of, it's uh, sort of like the practice of really um, examining everything you think you are and then noticing how um, transparent that is or how empty that is really, you know? Um, So that's what it was making me think of.
4: My son, Saw these signs that said dead end. It was this place we'd go every week um, where he played tennis. And he was, he, he, he was convinced that's like where you go to die.
5: <laughs> that's cute, poor sweet.
2: <laughs> oh, that's that's what we're being asked to do is actually drop uh, everything has to drop away, everything, every belief, for instance. Everything we attach to uh, that we think defines us as a, as a you know a, a little person. Yeah. Good end. I like it. <laughs> and what? What's left? That's the question.
5: Here we go. That's the question. All right. Moksha is wisdom of liberation body. It is the experience liberation. It is to experience liberation and then be free from your experience. If you taste liberation, you can easily be hooked.
4: Wait, with. I'm lost. Yes, me too.
5: Oh, you know what I did? I read the first sentence and then I skipped to the next. And let me start over. I apologize. Uh, Moksha, is that where we are? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moksha is emancipation or liberation body. In the Shokyu Yoshu, Daoshi says liberation means to dispel all hindrances fabricated by ignorance. The original nature of ignorance is exactly the same as the original nature of existence, which is pure. You cannot say ignorance is bad because it is the same as something pure. It's hard to explain this, but if you ignore the functioning of ignorance, you are also going off course and finding it difficult to live. We have to see how we go astray, so constantly investigate your ignorance. Ask yourself, what is the cause of my going astray? This is researching the self. Hey,
4: Daniel. Sorry, I think, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Vimoksa is wisdom of liberation, body. It is to experience liberation and then be free from your experience. If you taste liberation, you can easily be hooked by liberation. People are very quick to attach to liberation, beauty, to liberation, beauty or some deep experience we have had through hard work. If you believe in something divine, you're attached to that divinity, and then you feel comfortable. Otherwise, you are uneasy. That is not real freedom. So if you experience freedom, next, you have to be free from freedom. That is your project.
0: A fivefold Hoshan is the supreme quality of incense, because it guides you to taste the ultimate nature of your life. How? The functioning of sila is the cause of inviting the Buddhas. Then sila's cause brings samadhi and prajna into being as, as into being as result. Samadhi is your practice, and prajna is wisdom. The other two, moksha and vimoksha, liberation and wisdom of liberation, are considered the effect. These five kinds of dharmakaya are the merit of those who have attained enlightenment. And why do they correspond to, but why do they correspond to incense?
3: Uh, She says that incense as the unconditioned right dharma extinguishes all defilements ignorance and karmic evil by virtue of its perfuming them Hmm. he says the reason the five kinds of dharmakaya is named incense is that the buddha um, has three kinds of wondrous incense there are sila incense listening incense and giving incense
2: everywhere At all times, the sila incense is working in the most subtle way. Whatever appears, good or bad, right or wrong, all are digested by the original nature of existence. Listening incense means you open yourself to hear all kinds of voices, voiceless voice, scream. So whatever you hear, please open your heart and listen. Then you can do something. Giving incense means that when you deal with something, you give yourself to it with a sincere heart. That reminds me of like turning towards, you know, the Buddhist, you turn towards whatever comes.
4: I'm really glad we're reading this. (laughs) It's never going to be the same for me. Incense? (coughs) Incense, yes. And I'm thinking too, uh, one of the rabbis was talking about all the smells like inside the early temples where they were burning animals and the people smell and the bathing, you know, the lack of bathing and, you know, like we have a pretty uh, non-smelling world. Yeah. But it's, uh, so here's one more smell. And and then fire was so important too. We're in our, I mean, when who was the last time you had a you know, outdoor fire or indoor fire or whatever. The, the virtue, the ritual of <laughs> in such as dharmakaya <coughs> is a simple practice of giving a quality to your behavior without expecting some reward in the worldly sense. You just do the simple practice of opening yourself, inviting Buddha and seeing the ultimate nature of existence. When the five kinds of dharmakaya unfold, they're called sila, samadhi, wisdom, liberation, and the wisdom of liberation. But practically speaking, it is just one practice. The practice of offering incense, it's just (coughs) like a light. I don't know what it is exactly, but you can experience this. Through this ritual, you can open yourself, go very deep and see your original nature. That makes your life stable, <coughs> and you can live in peace.
6: Radiant light of the Buddhas. The second light of the books of offering incense. Uh, radiant light of the Buddhas we meet throughout the Dharma world. Many statues of Buddha show a halo behind his head. We say Buddha's watching over all sentient beings because he is very compassionate. It's the same in Krishna. When you see Jesus in a stained glass window, there's always a halo behind his head. That is radiant light.
5: Light is the quality of the original nature of existence. Your original nature is not dark, not fixed like stagnant water, not melancholy, not confused by mistaken understanding. Your original nature is clear, dynamic, free, liberated. The original nature of life is going endlessly like a spring flowing from the ground. We don't know what that energy is exactly, but it's something true. So we put a name on it, radiant light. To explain radiant light in Buddhism, it is divided into two, light of the body and light of the mind.
1: Light of the body is compassion. To explain light of the body, it is divided into two, eternal and light emitting. Eternal light of the body is Dharma, the endless functioning of the original nature of existence. That stream of basic energy constantly penetrates every inch of your life, helping you and supporting you. Anytime, anywhere, you can open your heart and listen to its voice.
0: Light emitting light of the body is light that arouses you into enlightenment. That light is always emitting more or less from everyone. Modern cameras can take a picture of that light. If you encounter this light, something touches your heart and you feel relief. For
3: instance, when you see someone like a Buddhist teacher, Thich Han, something gives forth from his total personality. You immediately taste it and you're shocked. You don't know what it is, but that shock comes from a person who manifests his total personality. Then the whole situation becomes comfortable and peaceful. You feel good just by being present by him, near her, not needing to do something, not needing to talk.
2: Light of the mind is wisdom. Your own life is constantly illuminated by the dynamic functioning of the original nature of existence.
4: Wait, wait, I wanna show you, I wanna show you what this looks like. You guys know about Kirlian photography? Is it? Oh. know about what? Well, I'm going to show you what a photograph of this light looks like. I had a colleague who used to photograph this. Um, just a second. It's called Curlian oh. Photography. How do you spell that? K-I here. K-I-R-L-I-A-N. This is a Curlian photograph of a fingertip from
3: 1989.
4: Mm -hmm. So it kind of photographs voltage. Ah. This is a leaf. This is a dusty leaf.
5: (laughs) He's photographing the energy emitted from everything, even a coin.
4: Uh,
2: yeah.
4: But this isn't hocus pocus stuff. This is, yeah.
6: Yeah.
4: Wow. Why? Here. What's neat is when you photograph two people together, then they're. Their Im- their auras join.
2: It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I um I was in a movie theater about ten twelve years ago, and I had a um, an experience, and everybody in the lobby. Um, had light like shining through their eyes that's what I saw and it felt beautiful and joyful didn't feel like anybody was a stranger it was it was really interesting Um, and I was kind of surprised my husband even had it (laughs) and we don't always see eye to eye but there it was right in front of me I could see the light it was really interesting. Um, yeah, you're right, Kim. This isn't.
4: Oh, here, someone showed me this painting today, by Medigliani, and it doesn't show it quite so much. It's called um, "Here We Go." Medigliani's uh, "Window to the Soul." Yeah. And the eyes glow out in the in the print that I saw. It was even stronger and the eyes were just incredible the way they went out, um, just like the necklace and the same colors are in the necklace as the eyes.
2: Yeah, that was, was kind like, of what I saw. That's okay. kind of what I saw.
4: Well, as you talked about it, I thought of the painting.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> Sorry for the diversion. No,
2: it
3: was, I, I hadn't you. known about that, thank you.
2: Uh, I forget where we were. I think, was it the, no, light, light of the mind is wisdom, right?
0: I think yeah.
2: so. I'll start it again, ma'am. Uh, light of the mind is wisdom. Your own life is constantly illuminated by the dynamic functioning of the original nature of existence. Whoever you are, you are already illuminated because you exist right now, right here. So you can use that light to see the true nature of your own existence. To explain light of the mind, it is also divided into two. Dharma illuminating and opportunity illuminating.
4: Hmm. In the Yo Yoshu, And I, I, oh Dao, Dao Shin she Shi, says, Dharma illuminating means to illuminate both truth and worldliness. In Buddhist philosophy, truth is classified two ways: real truth and worldly truth. You think this is small mind and big mind? Worldly truth can you can understand conceptually. Real truth cannot be understood conceptually. I think it is. For example, according to worldly truth, a table is a table. According to real truth, a table is something more than a table. That something more is called Buddha. We use the word Buddha to express the table's original nature, the aspect of a table that is beyond our conceptual understanding.
6: Illumination is the functioning of original nature. Everything, your pants, your hair, your boots, your body, is illuminated in many ways by Dharma. Through taking care of everything in the human world as Buddha, you have an opportunity to go beyond your usual existence and experience your great existence. That opportunity is also illuminated. So you can see that opportunity and use it to take care of yourself and your object, whatever it is, with a sincere heart.
5: Daoxi also says insight and illumination, everlasting light, thoroughgoing penetration, no hindrance. Insight is the original nature of existence when it is digesting everything and producing a new life from moment to moment. Inside is also your own experience when you encounter that original nature directly. So, inside and illumination means both the wisdom of original nature itself and the wisdom of seeing it as your own life.
1: Everlasting light is constantly illuminating your life, but the stubborn human consciousness cannot believe it. So first we have to open ourselves to accept that light. Everyone always forgets this first practice. We are always irritated, nervous, confused, trying to escape and destroy problems. We never find solutions that way. So if you have have a problem, remember, that Buddha's compassion is always supporting you and helping you. Then try to relax and accept your problem. Open yourself totally and magnanimously
4: to all- Magnam- Someone help me, magnanimously.
3: Magnanimously.
4: Okay. Thank you, I lost a syllable there.
3: <laughs>
1: Good, thank you. And magnanimously. To all yeah. kinds of problems, whether they are, whatever, whatever they are. Then you can see what to do.
0: Fargoing penetration is the realization that your own life is the same and one with radiant light. If you realize this, it is like turning on a light in a dark room. You turn the switch and immediately everything in the room comes up. When you realize something important, the whole world becomes bright and you really appreciate it.
3: For no hindrance, Dogen Zenji says very simply, the whole world in the 10 directions is the light of the self. The whole world in the 10 directions is within the light of the self. Yes, it's true. So you are you and you are something more than you. You are the whole world. There is no separation. No hindrance anywhere. Is the whole world an abstract idea? No, it's something working. That is radiant light.
4: How long is this section? Should we stop here?
0: Uh, We're almost done.
4: Oh, okay. Let's
0: take it to the end.
4: Okay.
2: I think if we stop discussing every two sentences, we'll we'll get there. (laughs) that's my it's my bad (laughs) Um, paying homage and taking refuge the third and fourth lines of the verse of offering of offering incense say homage to the countless buddhas in the ten directions permeates into seeing and hearing and manifests nirvana through offering incense with a clear and calm mind opening yourself and inviting buddha you can experience oneness. At that time, your physical life manifests dharma in everyday life. Your total personality gives forth light, and you are called Buddha, an awakened one.
4: If you become an awakened one, you deeply appreciate Shakyamuni Buddha's life, and very naturally, you want to pay homage. So you say, I take refuge in the Buddha, or in Japanese... You say namu ki butsu, and then you bow. That bow is namu or namo. In Sanskrit, it is namase. In India, people always say namase when they meet. Namas means to lower your head, te is to you. So namaste is not only exchanging a greeting, it is to bow. Japanese people are always bowing. That is namase.
6: When you greet someone, bow and make an effort to open yourself to the stream of basic energy, invite that energy into your life, then your life returns to Dharma and you become Buddha. This is your everyday life. This is your everyday practice. You practice Dharma. The Dharma comes into you and you become Buddha. Simultaneously, you are a human being belonging to Sangha. That is the triple treasure of Buddhism Buddha, Dharma, and
4: Sangha. Was there, Nancy, was there a lot of bowing in Vietnam? No. (laughs) (laughs) How about in your parents' generation?
6: No. We only bow to ancestors like the dead one and um,
4: Buddha. I see. Okay. Hi, Melen. In
5: Buddhism.
4: Maybe Melen wants to read. Oh, yes. We're in this section. Uh, in B- Buddhism, we take refuge. Oops.
7: Uh, okay, I'm just setting up my uh, Kindle, but uh, it says, uh, oh, in Buddhism, we take refuge in the triple treasure. Taking refuge is refuge? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It's not going someplace to escape from the human world. It is opening yourself to the original place where everyone has to go. If you take the train of life, sooner or later, you reach the death, and where you see the depth of human existence. It is the end, but it is also the beginning. From there, you can go anywhere.
5: That's something to tell your son now, Kim.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was asking at Sunday Dharma Talk, I was asking uh, Todd, you know, why, why do we choose, like, why do we aim toward enlightenment where we wouldn't get to be reborn? because being reborn sounds better than not. And uh, so I asked my wife and she said, well, you just don't know. It may be that, that uh, the other is, is cool too, or something. I don't know, but, According okay, who's, re- I am? okay.
5: According to the triple treasure, the source of your being alive in the human world is nothing but energy. The perpetual flow of your energy to live has no form, no color. It is just constant movement. This life force is the original nature of your life, which is called Buddha, emptiness or freedom. That pure energy is always moving without taking any form.
1: But if the source of being is energy, then there must be a way by which being may be manifested. So the source of being doesn't exist alone. It exists within a universal process, which is called Dharma, truth, or the ultimate principle of existence. If there is a process, something must be produced. So when the source of being functions, it creates form which is called Sangha. The whole world or all sentient beings.
0: Formative energies are always springing up from the source of being, according to causes and conditions, functioning in a moment. When they do, something happens. There is an event, life. Life is just an event. From moment to moment, particles, atoms, and molecules arise from the vast openness of space all at once, come together and form the world of phenomena, trees, birds, flowers, planets, and your human body.
3: Particles cannot appear and become matter by themselves. In order for them to come together and take a particular form of being that you can perceive, certain energies must be there. If energy is not there, all the particles will separate and return to emptiness because they do not have their own power to stay together so if we make a scientific explanation we may say matter and energy are the same in buddhism we say all are buddha
2: the ten directions is the entire universe eight compass directions above and below It is the spatial direction and also the dimension in time. Your real life is the same as the life of trees, birds, sky, and the whole universe. Your body is vast because it is interconnected with all sentient beings existing in space and time. That universal body is called your Buddha body, or technically we say Dharmakaya.
4: Seeing and hearing represent the six senses of your uh, nirmanakaya human body and their sense objects. Eye and form, ear and sound, noise and smell, tongue and taste, body and touch, (coughs) mind and thought. When you open yourself and invite Buddha using your human body, dharma comes into you and you become one with it. At that time, you are Samhogakaya. Samhogakaya is Dharmakaya manifested in your everyday life.
6: Samhogakaya is not necessarily a manifestation of the real truth of your origin nature and not necessarily a manifestation of the worldly truth of your. Human body is both coming together and working together within your human body. You cannot explain what it is, but sometimes sublime is alive in your everyday life. Has Milan read? No. You go ahead, Milan. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
7: uh, okay. I think Sambhogakaya is a plain word is your total personality you have your own messy karmic life but on the other hand you are great being beyond human speculation or judgment this is your total personality everyone has that total personality but we have to train or educate your individual body to really realize the universal body this is a practice we do day by day this is a spiritual life
5: Your body is a human body, and it is something more than a human body. That's why we can't pin down exactly what your body is. When you offer incense as a way of uh, paying homage to Buddha, pure activity permeates into your body and manifests nirvana, total peace. At that time, you discover real Buddha, the original nature of your life. Other people can see this and they are really moved by the light shining from a human being.
4: Okay, so 10 minutes. It's
6: so great, anyway.
4: I have to leave. It's really nice reading with everyone. Oh, okay.
6: Bye, Nancy.
4: Bye. Good luck on your project.
7: Oh, is is it ending? I just realized that my clock is one hour behind.
4: Oh, <laughs> we're, we're going to we're going to write or meditate for ten minutes, and then we're going to talk.
7: Okay. Do you have
3: daylight savings time,
7: Milan? I'm sorry, Emily really didn't hear.
3: Do you have daylight savings time where you are?
7: It is central time, but the clock will go ahead, uh, I don't know when, in three weeks or something.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. We just did it last week. That's what mm-hmm.
7: happened. Yes, <laughs> I forgot.
4: I wasn't really good about uh, keeping time, but I think it's about 10 minutes. I forgot to set my watch, but I finished my drawing, so it's okay. (laughs) Who'd like to share?
2: I thought you should share your drawing.
4: Yeah, let's see it. So maybe I'll read first, because then you can kind of imagine what the drawing might be. People, as physical objects, are pretty boring compared to what's inside. They are machines that occasionally break down and ultimately stop working entirely, eventually finding new habitats for its atoms. But inside, though maybe not of a material nature, you have the vibrancy of the entire universe. You are you, and through you, we can see all. Okay, okay. So there's
2: that oh. the universe emanating. I love that. It's
4: a yin yang universe. I
2: love that. I really like that. I um, it's putting me in mind of uh, my mother today. I. I took her to a new memory care home today. It's been a very emotional week this past week, getting her transferred. And as I was riding in the um, transport, uh, she has Alzheimer's, by the way, and she's on hospice as well. Um, I was worried that she was going to get stressed and anxious and start calling out and doing behaviors that she does when she's stressed. But uh, we were riding, and I would turn around and look at her. First, she'd call out. She'd say something like, help. And I'd turn around, and I'd look at her. And then she'd beam at me with this big smile. And her eyes just looked so, I don't know, alive and sweet. And it was that way the whole ride. <laughs> and that's just putting me in mind of you know my story about the eyes and the... Um, Oh, yeah. lobby and you know you're talking about the universe inside and her body is deteriorating and it is on its way out but there was that light in her eyes you know when i would turn around and look at her so
4: it's on its way to become something else
2: yeah i think so yeah anyway that was nice
4: lynn how's your mom
7: She's getting better.
4: Oh, good.
7: She uh, she has started walking with psychotherapy. No, Psycho-
4: physical is therapy. <laughs> that one yes. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not psychotherapy.
7: <laughs> yeah, she's getting better. Thank you.
4: Who else has a mom?
0: We all had moms.
4: Oh.
2: <laughs> it really is, though, um, a practice watching. My mother has been uh, in slow decline for almost 20 years. And it's been a very long goodbye. And just to watch the whole thing, the whole dissolution of form, you know, and it also... Um, I can't avoid thinking about
6: death.
4: Can't avoid it. Yeah. So as we were reading, I kept thinking of this thing in Judaism where when you're in the uh, mother, you know everything. And you come out, and an angel come and touches you right here, which is why you have this little indentation. And all everything you knew goes away. <laughs> And I think I just love that, and I think of it as as this or- original nature that we're you know and the intuition and all this stuff. So, so so when you're born, just go So they can't do it. That's what I'm going to do next time.
3: I was struck by the um, the part of the reading that talked about how when you bow. the buddha in another person their energy flows into you um and that kind of reminded me there was a time when i used to um test a lot of newborns i used to like work a lot with babies and i worked with so many babies that i began to look at everybody like a newborn
1: Mm. on the street
3: and which was super helpful because you encounter many different types of people in a city, um, so to have that little mental hack was very, very helpful.
4: In and they're all—they're all innocent.
3: Yeah, and in giving me patience, you know. So neat. Um, I have to remember to keep doing that because it's—it um, can be used for a force for good, I think.
4: Hmm. Yeah.
5: Emily, well, I just have to say this because it was just so tender when we first came on the screen and you were sitting and you had your arms folded in front of you with that shirt. It looked like you were holding two baby bears. (laughs) Isn't that, of course, cartoon bears, but I thought maybe you were holding two stuffed animals. I thought, isn't that sweet and precious? (laughs) So I've held that image of you this whole time we've met because it
0: just looked so tender.
3: Oh, thank you.
4: This was a great chapter, wasn't it? Yeah. He seems to have something that we haven't read with anyone else. You know, a lot of stuff is repetitive, but he seems to really have his to know stuff that, or be able to express stuff that other people aren't.
0: And and one of the things that I find so interesting is he is expressing a lot of very fundamental Buddhist teachings um, that a lot of, you know, and he's not, you know, sometimes when when teachers present these things, they, they really go into depth on them, which is good too. But in this case, he they're almost like background you know he's got other things in the foreground that he's presenting to us but uh the these fundamental teachings are sort of behind what he's telling us the the one of them that really really struck me was he briefly touched on the hindrances and uh normally um the hindrances uh in in the traditional buddhism there's Um, all kinds of work associated with overcoming each one of the hindrances. And in this case, he was just saying, you know, pay attention, use it, work with it, which is is the essence of it anyway. Uh, Though, you know, some of the the Theravada teachings in particular have all sorts of um, meditative traditions to work with this stuff, but he He's, he's just got this wonderful combination of traditional Buddhism with Zen. Just do it, you know, just practice mm. and, and not with all the necessarily the details and the bells and whistles, which I, which is what drew me to Zen in the first place. So, I mean, Donna, how
5: beautifully articulated. Thank you
0: so much. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. you. Thank <laughs> Thank you. He also did it in last week's, um, the, the uh, body of the Buddha or Buddha body. Uh, that was so amazing because I ended up making copies of that and sending it to some people I'm in a study group with because it hit on so many of the mindfulness and mindfulness of the breath teachings that we had been working with. And, in, and and even a little bit of the um, a flower ornament Sutra too and it's just like you know this he's got all this learning but you know he's wearing it so lightly you know that it's there it, it you can if you know about it you can spot it but if not it doesn't matter if that wisdom is still flowing so that's off <laughs> deep bow. Um. <laughs>
4: <laughs> M- M- Melene was asking about precepts the other day, and there's this paragraph that we read. I'd like to share it, okay? Because mm-hmm. it, re- it was really good that we read tonight, I think before Melen came. Um, but I have to find the, uh, oh, here, share screen, okay. Here we go. Sila or precept, body means the principle of the original nature of existence and how it functions. As a whole, your life is a huge machine digesting everything. That's a wonderful metaphor. It's like a big clothes dryer with a glass door. (coughs) If you walk, you can see many things appear. Your shirt comes up, your pants and socks, sometimes napkins come up. It's very difficult to see the functioning of Sila with your human consciousness, but you have another kind of human consciousness, intuition.
0: To me, that was brilliant. I just loved that, that image of the dryer <laughs> and how we, we can't, you know, our, our normal um, understanding just can't get it because, you know, it's all over the place.
3: Because
4: it's so offensive. You know, and I'm curious in our traditional education whether we're teaching any of this stuff of how to access, uh, you know, how to work with our intuition. Nelda saying no.
3: I think there's a definite um, movement in education to introduce mindfulness to children um, and yoga classes and things like that, which is a step, I think, in the right direction.
5: I do too, but in several states, lawsuits have been filed to stop, them. <laughs> and, and they and they they've won depending on the state. And along the lines of precepts, I remember, and I'll say this for Melen, be you know, um, asking. I remember Melan, you asking in some class a question like when you there was a, a a Buddhist practice you were introduced to that had all of these. You uh, I'll call them rules. Am I being accurate, Melan, about? You do this and you don't do that. And uh, am I right, Melanne? Yes, Nelda. Okay. Well, when I took the precepts class, having come up in a Catholic um, definition of vow, I was very scared to, to, to go through taking the vow ceremony because I was terrified of breaking any of those vows. I don't like breaking promises. And generally, it, unless there's a greater good, don't like breaking rules. And I remember one class in the precepts class when we were talking about them, how the the definition of vow was explained at least in our practice. And that is just like you think about, in, as a former divorce lawyer, it just really resounded with me because whoever was giving that class talked about, you know, so many people take vows when they get married. Don't we take vows? I vow to do this, that, and the other. And we really mean them. We really want to do that. But there are times that something happens and people get a divorce. And we're not going to go into all that. I'm just saying. And it doesn't mean that that you didn't that you took those vows without that full intention of keeping them. It's just that for whatever reason, you you couldn't and couldn't stay in that marriage. Well, it's the same in a sense with the, the precepts and, and the Buddhist vows and the I shall take on this or I shall not do that. And that is you set an aspiration, a goal, a vow of this is something I want to have or not have in my life. And sometimes, for whatever reasons, one doesn't do that. And it's like when we take our, our our bow, as Flint says, yep, we fall down, we hit our head on the floor, we raise our hands and go, oh my goodness, and we get up again and try again. And so what I love about this Sangha's practice and the Mahayana practice is that we hold our practice gently with compassion, with aspiration toward continuing to keep those vows. I hope that was helpful.
7: It was, thank you very much, Nelda.
4: Is that this line here? Settling down means to trust in the big vehicle called Mayana.
2: I found one too that uh, Nelda kind of, uh, it was something I'd been thinking. And it says, the original nature of ignorance is exactly the same as the original nature of existence, which is pure. You cannot say ignorance is bad, because it is the same as something pure. It's hard to explain this. So uh, he's basically saying it it actually has a purpose, which is to cause us to investigate Mm. ignorance and how it's moving in our life. I mean, it's you know, just like we were talking about the light is in the dark and the dark is in the light, you know, I was struck with that.
3: So often, I think in the past, I used to make the mistake of shying away from that ignorance as um, in fear, I think.
4: Well, this is where I read, read and thought about the um, the angel touching you because the ignorance is not something to be ashamed of. It's right. Just a, a different state yeah and and buddha used the term uninformed worldlings in the same way that, that, that there's nothing bad about these people and they're not stupid <laughs> they're just at the place where they're at yeah
2: you know one other thing that really struck me too um was the um i didn't know what vim vimoksha. and yeah. Moksha. So moksha is liberation or emancipation. And yet, equally important is vimoksha, which is wisdom of liberation body, which, which I took to mean is to be free from the experience of liberation. In other words, not to attach to this experience of liberation, but to, you know, come back down the other side of the mountain and be fully human as well um i thought that was really interesting
4: well this is yeah this is Um, neat it is to experience liberation and then to be free from the experience
2: yeah yeah people people it can get attached i've heard and i i know that whenever i have an experience that seems oh i don't know um you know something wonderful or beautiful in, i want to grab onto that and stay there
4: (laughs) And it's you know, the same deal as we we've heard of. Of you take the raft to the other shore, but then you leave the raft, so you leave this experience of liberation, yeah. rather than getting hooked to it. Yeah. Oh, I, I hooked. He that. is. He yeah. is the word hooked. Yeah, hooked
0: by liberation. In ehe koso Hutsuganman um, Dogen's sort of daily, p- daily prayer or daily invocation of what, you know, the kind of life you would like to live each day. He talks about um, how we are able to attain Buddhahood and let go of the attainment. Um, so it's, it's built right into our, into our practice, into our tradition.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And you, this whole thing of attainment, I mean, Kim, earlier you made some mention about, oh, you know, we're we're practicing so we don't have to come back, you know, be reborn. And I used to always think that if I really do this, I won't have to be back here. You know,
4: this is. Oh, you didn't want to be back. I want to be back.
2: Yeah, and yet, oh, you might want to be back. I I kind of didn't want to be back, and yet uh, I finally let that whole thing go because that's part of the whole attainment thing. You know, um, that's an egoic small self view of how to avoid suffering. I'll just attain liberation and then (laughs) transcend all this and never come back. (laughs) And now I don't care. If I come back, I come back. I have no way of knowing (laughs) what happens after this body dies. I really don't.
5: Because the angel will touch you on your lip the next time you come back
2: and you won't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, apparently I wanted to come back because <laughs> I'm here. Funny. <laughs> oh, okay. What a rich
5: class. Thank you. Thank you, each of you, and to the author. Okay.
4: Yes. And, Malen can you stay on? We were going to find a time. Mm-hmm. Okay.
7: Please, I just have a quick question. Sure. So, what- when you, when you get free of freedom, from freedom, what, what is called that?
2: So um, <laughs> Wisdom of the liberation body or the moksha, right? Is that what you were in, in that paragraph up there? I think that's what they called wisdom of liberation. So first you're liberated but then you have the wisdom not to get stuck there, <laughs> I guess. That's, that's what I was hearing.
4: Well, and, and, you- and it goes back to the cause of suffering as attachment. Mm. You know, grasping. Mm-hmm. So this is a really cool thing. And the next thing you know, it's kind of enslaved you. So I think it it it's the same deal for me.
0: Mm. You're, not, you're-
4: not that I'm able to uh, let go of anything, but. That's the goal. The
0: you're, you're coming back into life with the wisdom that you have attained through liberation. But, you know, you've let that go, too, because, you know, you need to live here and now with all the wisdom that you that you have um, embodied and just keep on. Um, so I guess that's the liberation beyond liberation or. You know, um attaining Buddhahood and letting go of the attainment.
4: So William I mentioned this the other day, I don't know where, but William Blake had these three like uh steps. And one was innocence, and the next was experience, and then the third was organized innocence. And that's mm-hmm. the same, the same deal that we're talking about, where, where we actually and you can't jump from innocence to organized innocence, you have to go through this. Kind of dirty, grimy place. You know, first you put the raft on your back, maybe, and you start hiking up the hill. <laughs> and then you realize you don't need it. And then, right. and, and you just drop it, and that would be the organized innocence.
2: Well, what do they say? Uh, what's that saying to? Um, before enlightenment is you're chopping wood and carrying water, and after enlightenment, you wood and carry water, <laughs> but you're right, Donna. I appreciate you making that distinction. It's with the actual um, wisdom that comes from this awakening or liberation that you're coming back in, and uh, I love that. Thank you very
4: much. Okay.
0: Until next week.
3: Yeah.